welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello, this is Buddy C. Welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. Today we have Tina and Brian and Drew and Oscar and Scotty. Good to have you guys. I just listened to verse 15 that posted a few days ago. And man, if I have anybody wanting to check out the podcast, I'm going to recommend that episode. There was just some some good conversation, incredible conversation there about welcoming all things. That really hit home for me that there's a lot of things I don't. There's one thing to allow. It's another thing to say, come on. Yeah, yeah, come on. <laughs> That's a whole other deal. That was really good. If you guys haven't listened to that, I'd recommend it. Any announcements, go to buddyc.org. Got a lot of resources there, including a daily meditation. I did a sign up there so that it would keep me accountable to keep writing. So if you guys would be interested in that, go there and sign up. It's a, taking these thoughts that we have and taking one of the thoughts and fleshing it out into a, a quote and a thought. And a, I think that the word love, we use it a lot, but the word has so many different connotations that sometimes we think it's this unattainable. Oh, like the ninth step promise are these extravagant promises. I want to say, yes, they're very extravagant. At that time, extravagant meant unattainable, not that they were just great. So I think love's that way, that word, because we all have so many attachments to the word. So I started looking at words that describe love that are different and more practical and down to earth. So I, I started adding that to the devotion as well. So give me any feedback that you have that uh, if you like that and what I could do to improve those I'd, I'd appreciate it okay verse 21 of the Tao Te Ching who has a translation they would like to read got Stephen Mitchell in front of me <laughs> perfect the master keeps her mind always at one with the Tao that is what gives her radiance the Tao is ungraspable How can her mind be at one with it? Because she doesn't cling to ideas. The Tao is dark and unfathomable. How can it make her radiant? Because she lets it. Since before time and space were, the Tao is. It is beyond is and is not. How do I know this is true? I look inside myself and see. How can it make her radiant? She lets it. She fasts 40 days. She meditates 18 hours a day for three years. No, she just lets it. Huh. Dark and unfathomable. Ungraspable. How do you access it? You let it. You let it. Huh. Anyone else have a verse they'd like to read? Buddy, I'll read the Jeff Pepper in clear English. We're 21, correct? Yes, sir. The greatest day is possible only by following the Tao. 
Tao is indistinct and blurry, blurry and indistinct. Inside is appearance, indistinct and blurry. Inside are things, obscure and dark. Inside is essence. Its essence is truth. Inside is trust. Since ancient times, its name is not lost. So I see the ancestor of many. How do I know this is the ancestor of many through this? Thanks, Brian. Welcome. Any others? Hello, Tina. Good to see you today, dear. How was Italy? Everything good? Enjoy yourself? Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Good, good. What tools did you use? I know you were concerned about that before you went. Yeah, I was. I reached out. I was luckily had Wi-Fi on the plane. And yeah, it wasn't, it was the shoestring snapping that got me the little things. So I planned for the big things, but the little things, I'm glad I had some tools on reserve. And that was just reaching out. And someone told me while I was in the sky, I was higher to my, I was closer to my higher power. Not to worry. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that's good. I'm glad it went well. I'm glad you enjoyed yourself, dear. Let's see the Jonathan Star. Perfect action, true virtue, supreme power. This is how Tao is revealed through those who follow it completely. Through formless and intangible, it gives rise to form. Though vague and elusive, it gives rise to shapes. Though dark and obscure, it is the spirit, the essence, the life breath of all things. But is it real, you ask? I say its evidence is all of creation. From the first moment to the present, the name has been sounding. It is the gate through which the universe enters, the witness by which the universe sees. How have I come to know this? That very name has told me, that name which is sounding right here, right now. So how do we hear the name? How do we hear that? The name told them. So he's saying he would hear the Tao right here, right now. Is that? Am I reading that correctly? Hmm. Any others, guys? I'll read my interpretation. The elusive path. As alcoholics, real life appears when we follow the way of sobriety. What is this way? Utterly elusive and intangible, like the light of the full moon. Even though our descriptions are vague, we can see its fruit. With gratitude, we can look back through our lives and see evidence of this way at work in all things. How do we know this? By looking within. Huh. Oscar? Yeah, thanks. Uh, it's very deep, man. This is a very deep. <laughs> it's tricky to talk about even because I found I find the the search of the searching or looking for or feeling to or trying to hear the, the essence of everything which is God. In Christianity it's called God and in in Taoism it's called Tao. But whatever name you give it it's the first is searching for something that is beyond time or be, because it was before time so if it's beyond time it's unchangeable 
so what is unchangeable it the only thing that is unchangeable is is here and now that's what is always here the, the, the now as an everlasting moment is always here <laughs> like in the sense of everywhere <laughs> if you go silent if i go silent then i can feel or sense or hear this voice and then i recognize that it is me in the sense of the part of me that is also timeless so it's the same it's not here and now somewhere else like an and i am here and there is somewhere else is now and i have to go there or something i am a part of it so we are all a part of this now right we can't deny that one so if we are all a part of now we probably are all a part of Tao or God or it's in us. And I recognize this in the timeless dimension in myself. When I look from my, through my eyes and see the world and, and really go quiet, then I, I know this is the same one who is looking as I was 10 years ago or 20 years ago or when I was five years old, it's the same thing that is looking from within me. So there is something timeless in me, definitely, because that's unrecognizable for me. Or unrecognizable, I don't know if that's the correct word. It's uh, it's not unrecognizable, but uh, sorry, How about I don't know. Unknowable. Yeah, it's unknowable. It's a thing I feel. Yes. And as soon as I put it in words, I'm missing the point. In a way, I'm missing the point. I can try to come close. And then you come to the first verse of the Tao Te Ching, where the Tao is mentioned as unnameable. So it's a beautiful verse, I think, and I recognize a lot, but it's also, ooh, where are we going? What is this? Yeah. Thanks. The Hogan translation says that's the way it's been. It talks about every object has Tao at its core. That's the way it's been ever since the world began. How can I be so sure? I just know. It's talking about knowing rather than thinking. Scotty? Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, After looking at a couple of translations of this, it feels like it's a description of something that's indescribable, like an explanation of something that can't be explained. It feels a bit like accepting the fact that most of what's going on is a mystery. And I subscribe to the daily Tao emails. And today's um, thought says, I get lost in the Tao by letting go of my need to know and trust that I will be able to notice the next step. Um, just trusting and accepting what is. I don't need to understand and explain things, even though that's really what I like to do, is understand every variable, every possible component of what's going on. But what this is telling me, like Jonathan Starr 
translation says, though formless and intangible, it gives rise to form. Though vague and elusive, it gives rise to shapes. And then how he knows it is because it is. <laughs> it's like, why does AA work? It just does. Just show up and experience it. And that will give me all the explanation I need. Even though sometimes I demand to understand, this is telling me to just stop and accept. Just let it, right? Mm-hmm. Just let it. Huh. I was thinking about in the last phrase of the Stephen <laughs> Mitchell, it is beyond is and is not. So it would be beyond good and bad. It would be beyond any opposites. It's like, and you helped me with this, Scotty, and we'll eventually maybe publish this sometime. I don't know if y'all did this. Oscar, but here in the U.S., when we were kids at Thanksgiving, we would make a turkey by putting our hand down and riding around our hand and making an outline and make that into a turkey. I remember when I was like first and second grade kind of stuff. And I was thinking about two turkeys talking about um, just about like they had consciousness like us and they were they were thinking of contemplating the universe and are we all really one? And as they went through the conversation and the book changes pages, the two turkeys with every page become looking more like two hands of the same body. So by the end of the book, they're just two hands. And and I think it's the same thing with this is that everything's encompassed in the Tao We think we're separate, but we're not. We think all this stuff we see is real and this, all of these good and bads are ways that we're judging our life, but it's all part of the moment. And the way that we start seeing that is by turning that light around, right? By looking within. And our action is just letting it happen. How can it make her radiant? Because she lets it. We surrender, right? That's what we learn in recovery, is we stop fighting. We stop pushing. Drew? One one thing that comes to mind when, when I've been listening to everybody's versions is just how much my thoughts can get in the way of getting what I'm looking for. If I'm looking for happiness, looking for peace, looking for being loving or receiving love from somebody, allowing myself to receive love from somebody else, um, just thinking too much about it and trying to get it, that always prevents me from getting it. And when I've had luck in the past of being in a good spot, being in a happy place, being right frame of mind, being a loving person. It's not when I've thought myself into it, not when I've when I've created the best scenario and laid it all out and had the best outline and algorithm and all of that. It's just when I've let it happen. An image that came to mind and just now happened is when you want to get a cat in your lap, <laughs> the, the harder you try to convince that cat to get in your lap, it's not going to. But the moment you stop, that's when the cat gets in your lap, as is happening right now to me. And 
another image that came to my mind, if you've ever been out at night where there's really clear sky, in North America at least, right after sunset, you can see the Andromeda galaxy. It's the galaxy closest to ours, but you can't really see it by looking directly at it. If you look directly at it, it it goes away. It just blends into the rest of the the dark sky. But if you look away from it, then you can see it out of your periphery. And that, that just came to my mind when I was listening to all these versions is the harder I try to get something directly, harder I try to to look for something, the less it comes. And if I can step away and look away from it, get my thoughts away from it, then I can actually experience it, then I can see it. But the moment I try to start finding it actively, then it becomes a little less unattainable. Those are the metaphors that I've got going for me after reading this. Thanks. Let me ask you, Drew. Uh-huh. Okay. Something I've been thinking about lately a lot. The point that I see here in the 21st verse, ultimately we let it and the way that we see it is by looking within. I'm realizing how much of my life I am still seeking the externals to give me peace and joy. When... The Tao, peace and joy that I'm looking for, I get that from within, no matter what the circumstances are out here. I can be at a place of peace, regardless of whether things are good or bad, or they call it equanimity, I think is a word that my Buddhist friends use for that, that calmness, that, and I'm realizing how much I try to still position life to give me those things I should be looking within for. Not to say I can't enjoy those things. I can. But when I remember years and years ago, back when I still had bad days, I have bad moments now, not bad days normally. And I'd just be having a shitty day. And I'd have, I flipped houses and did rental and real estate and all that kind of stuff. And I'd get a fax. Y'all remember faxes. Mm-hmm. I'd get a, I'd get a fax with a contract on a house I needed to sell. And all of a sudden, I was happy. And I'd look at this piece of fax paper, not even real paper, that fax paper. i said, say, how can this paper make me happy? I knew that was not it, but yet it was working. <laughs> it was making me feel better. I said, how can I get a piece of paper that makes me feel better? I said, that doesn't make sense to me. Everything about this, I'm looking at the Mitchell, the two actions are... Letting it and looking within. Those are the two actions I'm seeing. And in letting it, if you look back at the Jonathan Starr, it says in the uh, second stanza, though formless and intangible, it gives rise to form. So form comes from the formless. It doesn't come by trying to create form. It comes by being formless. In the same way, I think, you were talking about, Drew, what we resist persists, what we pursue when we learn to let go and surrender, then 
life can happen for us. That's where we, in recovery for me, it wasn't about figuring out how sobriety worked because I couldn't. It wasn't about working harder and doing better. It wasn't about any of those things. It was about me surrendering and saying, I cannot do this myself. I am incapable of doing this. And that's what you were talking about, Drew, with the cat. You can't make this cat get in your lap. But when you let go and quit trying, that's just a, a really good and simple illustration of that. I, tr- I almost died trying to get sober. It took me six years to get a year. I was in and out. A, a week. I was that guy. I don't know if y'all know that guy at meetings that one day's drunk, the next day's sober, and he'll go a week or a month. Or I think one time I got six months or three months. I got a little bit of time, and I'd have a bad day and get drunk because I was still trying to do this thing myself. And until I totally surrendered and said, I cannot do this, then it started working for me. I got out of the way. And I think this is saying some of the same thing. We have to let it. The direction we look is within. Let me read y'all something from David. Y'all interrupt me if you have something. This is Letting Go, The Pathway of Surrender, book I would definitely recommend. If you go to buddyc.org under resources, there's a bookstore. It's got all these books there. It's got a yellow and white cover. I would first recommend it as an audible. It's a very easy listen. And then we did a book study on this, and I actually read through this with sponsees, too. This is really how to do the first three steps. Now, this guy was not in recovery, but this is his experience on learning how to surrender because he almost died in his 50s. He wrote this in his early 80s, I think, back, I think it was published around 2012, 10, 12. And I was looking for, okay, there's often a lack of understanding. This is page 107 talking about desire. There's often a lack of understanding of the function of wanting and desire. The main illusion is seen in the statement, the only way that I'll get what I want is by desiring it. If I let go of my desire, then I won't get what I want. Actually, the opposite is true. Desire, especially strong desire, frequently blocks our getting what we want. It's the opposite. Why is this actually the way something comes into our life is because we've chosen it. It was the result of our intention or we made a decision for it. It's come into our life in spite of desire. The desiring was actually the obstacle to its achievement or acquisition. This is because desire literally means I do not have. In other words, if we say that we desire something, we are saying that it isn't ours. When we say it isn't ours, we put a psychic distance between ourselves and what we want. The distance becomes an obstacle that consumes energy. We surrender the emotion of desire and instead allow it to happen because we see that it's already ours. We allow it to happen. That's top of page 109. He says it in a different way a little bit there, but I wouldn't get hung up on the words. Basically, we have to let it. We just have to let it. We have to allow. Oscar. 
I guess it's uh, the same uh, way with, <clears throat> uh, if I desire something and I let the desire go, then it doesn't matter if I get it or not. Then I uh, it doesn't matter what happens, whatever happens. But the same thing goes for when something happens that I don't want, or I want, or there is something that I want to change, or, to, or there is something that I want to fear, or, or not want to fear something that I fear, or and thereby want to change. Also, this this it's, it's the same actually as letting go of the desire. It's the same as letting go of the fear or letting go of the resistance when some something comes on my path and I think I don't want it. I probably have to let it go to let it unfold as it comes. <laughs> and then I am beyond whatever I want or whatever is good or bad or I lose all judgments. If if I really let go all these desires and all these fears and all these thoughts and, and I let go of my judgments and I let go of my opinions, <laughs> I'm probably in paradise, right? Because yeah, then then it is as it is and and it's perfect. It's amazing. Thanks, Oscar. Yes. Because we think this thing we want is going to satisfy us when experience says that's not the case. My fear just jumps to something else. I remember when I was afraid I would not have money to pay my bills. Whenever I started having some money, then I was afraid I was going to lose the money I had. <laughs> it just moved. It didn't go away. It just moved to something else. And it's the same with this. If we think we're creating Form from form, it's not going to work. It takes formlessness to create form. It takes emptiness. It takes surrender. Another line from the Stephen Mitchell is that she doesn't cling to ideas. Did y'all catch that? How can her mind be at one with it? She doesn't cling to ideas. She doesn't cling. She lets it. It is beyond all judgment. We can, looking within can also, I think, be interpreted as using gratitude because we can look back in life and see how it's worked for us. So why do we not think that it will work now? I, I think that's what gratitude's for. And I have several gratitude lists. Actually, I use Google Keep and I'll have lists for different things. I have a financial gratitude list. If I were, if my fear start, my fear of financial insecurity comes up, I have a whole list of ways it's worked in the past that I won't remember in the moment, but I can look at, oh, yeah, I remember. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And I've got gratitude after gratitude, and I've got several different lists that well, for any fear that I'm working to surrender to, I have gratitude lists for that so that I won't, won't spiral way off. Before I start looking within, because that's a form of looking within, I think. That's a form of me not clinging. It's interesting how in another book I'm reading was talking about suffering. And it's a Zen Buddhist book and how our problems are because we're attached. And I was thinking about suffering. I was like, they were talking about all the negatives that we suffered, that we're uh, 
we get angry and all these other things associated with our clinging. I can cling to good things too, not just bad things. I can cling to anything. And the clinging is telling me that I'm expecting that to do something for me it cannot do. I'm not looking within. I'm certainly not letting go. And you know, the third step uh, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand God. So we made a decision to say, okay, I'm going to turn over my will and my cares. You ever tried writing a list of your cares, the things you care about? You think it would be super long, but I bet it won't be over 30 things. And how many of those are you still clinging to and thinking that either you're controlling those things or you have fear associated with those things or you're expecting those things to make you happy? If those, that kind of thing, when I can touch any of those, it tells me I have not turned those things over. I have not let go of those things because I think what we're looking for is in the acceptance and the letting go, not in circumstances being a particular way, because things are going to go up and down. It's just the nature of life. But we can be at that point of equanimity, that point of calmness, that if we're not thinking that this business, if our value is not tied to the business, then if the business does well or the business does poorly, it's not going to bring us as far off keel as it would if we thought our value was in being successful, then we're a value. If we're not successful, then we're not a value, that kind of thing. I think the point's looking within instead. Yeah. Yeah, this one is, folks listening to the podcast aren't going to hear the silences that we've had today because this one is a little, a little more than what we normally run into in these. Hmm. Any comments, guys? And just real quickly, the clinging to the good. I've, I've thought about that, about how it relates to my addiction, especially the first time feels so good. And I want that to continue. I want that to keep going. And that's what gets me in trouble is clinging to that feeling, clinging to the idea that this moment will be better if I use again. And of of course, each time gets me further and further away from that, which when I'm stuck in that pattern makes me desire it more and makes me use more and makes me further away and just creates a, a horrible cycle. So in, in life, when I can accept that this good moment, this good feeling, this good experience, it, it has to come to an end. Then that that gives me more peace throughout the day, lets me actually accept that there, there are going to be ups, there are going to be downs, can't always have ups. Yes. Oscar? Yeah, I also thought about the clinging. I also cling, I cling too hard on my recovery. So I grasped, grabbed it, and there was too much, this has to be good, or this has to be, and and as soon as this clinging comes in, it 
confuses me and it makes my life chaotic because I always cling to opposite things. <laughs> so I cling to recovery and at the same time I cling to a state of being high. So I cling to both and I cling to being with my family and I cling to being alone. And I cling to, and, and, and as soon as I have a desire, I got it the same as you said, I got it. Then I get scared of losing it. So it's always this huge movements in my mind, which kind of drive me crazy. And when I let this go, it's all okay. It's just okay as it is. And I'm now sober for 14 months, which is in my life a really long time. And and I have, since the first two months or something, I have no, it's just is as it is. And I do the work, definitely. So I do the steps and I work with sponsor and now I have sponsor in. So I do, and I do my service and I do the meetings and and I love to do it. And it's just there and I love to do it. But it's the kind of urge is of it. As soon as I, I found out that all this fighting for my life and fighting to get everything my way and as soon as I let that go, it was, oh, my God, I have been fighting all my life. And why? <laughs> I can just go and, and sit down and, and go on the stream and see what comes. And it's okay. And it's very nice, actually. And it's beautiful. And so I really enjoy this letting go of the clinging. Every time now, every time I cling to something, it's an opportunity to let it go. <laughs> I really enjoy this. Oscar, too, you brought, I thought of something while you were talking. The recovery, the things we learn, the tools, we say they're the solution, but in reality, they're like the finger pointing at the moon. They're pointing us toward surrender. They're pointing us toward, if you want to put it in, verse 21 toward not clinging to letting go and looking within that's the three things there it's pointing us toward that but the way we get there is by looking at recovery but the real gift is the is what's between the words not the words themselves the steps are not the gift the gift is the fruit that comes from working the steps we're told to be compassionate and to help others, not because it helps them. It's because it helps us. We're not benefited by what they do in return. Uh, it's so strange because it helps us getting rid of ourselves. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's the not clinging. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Because as long as we're trying to make form with form, it doesn't work. It's the formless that makes form, not the form. It's the emptiness. Beautiful. Yeah, that's what this is about, is us stepping out of the way. I've got the first part of the set-aside prayer on my computer. It says, Dear God, please set aside everything I think I know about myself, this book, my disease, these steps, and especially about you, so that I might have an open mind and a new experience with all these things. Please help me see the truth. That's what this is talking about. 
stepping out of the way and letting it happen, allowing it. That's much different from how I used to tackle life. And it was a tackle every day. It was that push, push you were talking about, Oscar, and everything. I mean, everything was a push. I'd be driving down the road and somebody in my way, I'd be pushing them out of the way. I'd have, I'd, I'd just get stressed over nothing. Yeah. And the clinging reminds me of the Dow quote about when something comes like it's coming down the stream, you use it as it comes by. You don't grasp it and try to hold on to it when it's leaving. <laughs> because if you do, that new thing that's coming, you can't grasp because you can't use it because you're still trying to hold on to the old. You, you can't accept and embrace the new. You're not allowing. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, we had to work for this one. <laughs> we, <laughs> we had to allow for this. Let me rephrase. But we did. We just sat here and waited, didn't we? Until it started rising. We actually practiced the 21st verse and talking about the 21st verse. Yeah. Anything else, guys? That's good. She does not cling. She lets it. And she looks within. And when she looks within, she sees it. Because she can only see it because she's letting it not clinging. If you're clinging and controlling and holding on, you're not going to see it. Because how can you see it if you're still trying to control? You're still in the way. I have one more quote I want to use. I've used this quote before. This is from B.C. Kitchen. I was a pagan is the name of the book. He knew Bill W. He published this book in 35, and he was in the Oxford group with Bill and the businessman's group where they talked to other businessmen about the Oxford groups. And this is from page 28 in his book, I Was a Pagan. These ambitions, hypocrisies, and vices were not drained out when I transferred my belief in one plan or philosophy of life to another. They were not drained out by making New Year's resolutions, and they were not disposed of by going to psychoanalysts, 1935, or by going to church. Ooh. They were drained out by stopping the self-effort to get rid of them, by letting God take hold to do the job, and by putting God first in life. I had put God first in theory, yet still continued to mean and do badly. That was because I was trying to run my own life. I had not put him first in living, but had kept my self-love uppermost and had built my scheme of things quite upside down. When I turned things around, however, and put God at the head of the list, or you could say love, when I put love at the head of the list, when I see struggling to pull myself up, and stepped out of the way so that his light could shine down to me when I let him show me how to use the individuality he had given me to accomplish for myself, for humanity, and for him, the things he wanted me to accomplish then for the first time in 40 years, things of consequence began to happen in my life. That's it, isn't it? That's it. I was still trying to run my own life, kept my self-love uppermost, and built my scheme of things upside down. Yeah, that's good. That's the opposite of not clinging and letting it. Yeah. Guys, you have anything else? Thank you all for being with us today. And hope to see you next week. Thank you.
Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.